the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Vegas 39 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com, but on this year program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you listen to this. Hopefully it's for the fight, recording this Thursday night, late Thursday night, Las Vegas time for UFC uh, Vegas uh, 39, UFC Fight Night 194, UFC Dern versus Rodriguez. We're going to break that down for you from top to bottom as per usual. Check the show notes for when that starts, uh, whether you're on the YouTube audio version. Thank you for checking me out there. Feel free to give it a like, a subscribe, Daniel Tom MMA, or on the Apple podcast platform or others. Uh, five-star ratings and reviews help. I do watch those. I'm not going to read the reviews today, but I will if you want to go ahead and add some for the Protect Your Neck podcast. It does help. I do appreciate it. Of course, the show is hosted on MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. Uh, which is linked in my profile at Dan Tom MMA, the only social platform I'm really active on on Twitter, um, and of course this podcast at the PYN Podcast on all social platform at the PYN Podcast on all social platforms. Don't spam your feed, and it does help if you want to help the cause there. Um, Otherwise, at mixedmartialanalyst.com, there is a secure donate link uh, via PayPal. Um, people, I don't plug that. I'm really bad about. Um, Asking for support, donations, tips, whatever you want to call it. Nothing wrong with it. It's good. It's, it's the best way to vote. I'm just a really bad businessman, right? Um, so you know, there's that. But uh, I did have uh, a couple people asking me because again, it was a, you know, it was a perfect week. I can't remember the last time I did that, which was nice uh, last week. Uh, so you know, it seems like I made y'all some money, and a lot of people have been making money. So it's all been good. I like to see it. We can all make money together. Uh, you don't need to. Uh, give me anything, which is why this show is free, um, you know, and will remain free unless, uh, you know, I need a job, and <laughs> I gotta figure something out, um, but, uh, you know, as of, as of right now, uh, I, I'm very lucky, and I have, uh, I have some yobs, uh, but, uh, so I, I just, you know, um, I just try to do what I like, and if I can help people along the way, well, that's just swell, uh, but yeah, you know, uh, p- people do ask that, and, and it is a part of the game, so, that is appreciated, and I appreciate you guys. Uh, and those of you who just hit that donate too much, y'all, y'all stop. Y- y- y'all are lifers at this point. I appreciate you guys for being here. And I just want to say, uh, no, we're just gonna get into the breakdown. Uh, Shouts to the fight site guys. Um, I jumped into the podcast tonight. I, I, I totally spaced, um, but it was it was awesome. We got to break down my man Ben uh, Ben Cohen's fight. It was sweet, man. Um, fuck, that dude's a badass, man. Um, so check. Pete, the fight site feed for that. Um, I think I'm going to be doing a burst your bubble uh, tomorrow. Uh, my man Kyler um, I was just talking to him. 
always, you know, Kyler and Josh are always good dudes. Um, you're gonna do that, but uh, I am gonna be cutting down appearances. It's just been, it's just been a lot, man. It's been a lot, um, and, and uh, it's been, um, it's been a mess for your boy here. I'm just, yeah, up against it. I had a lot of good things happen this week, though. Um, st- not stuff I can talk about, but motivating opportunities to get my ass back in shape. But that also kind of not stress me out more. But yeah, um, because I, I just that's just been, been my main goal is to sleep, eat healthily, and work out. Very, very small goals here. Uh, but it, everything's just been bananas. I won't bore you the details. Just, you know, usual stuff. Um, and uh, so I've just been thinking of ways and, you know, trying to cut down social media, which is hard. And you only can do that so much. Um, and Twitter not allowing me to um, filter my DMs, which sucks because I appreciate the DMs from listeners and stuff. So I appreciate those. Thank you all. I try to get back to those. But uh, it's, it's so it's not you guys or the people I regularly talk to and communicate with whether it's colleagues, uh, other podcasters, etc., It's not you guys. I love all you guys. Anybody listen to this for the most part, pretty much. Right. Um, but, um, you know, and it's, I, I, yeah, I try to help people when I can, but you know, uh, whether it's the blue check mark or people just assume you have more thing, you're more pull than you, what you do. Um, you get asked a lot, asked to share a lot, and it's hard to keep up with everything. It can be overwhelming, especially for someone like myself and my wiring, so uh, I'm just trying to limit things, um, and uh, even though I love going on other people's podcasts, and I still want to keep myself open, um, especially for you know certain opportunities should they come or uh, certain conversations uh, like the ones that you know I had on places like I just mentioned the fight site, or um, especially you know Southpaw's been killing it lately. Uh, you know you know all the usual victims I always shout out on this show. Um, of course, you know th- those reservations are you know. I, 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 you know, I, I always appreciate those, but uh, in general, I just think I was doing too much. Is what I'm trying to say politely, without trying to uh, clearly <laughs> try not to offend anybody, because I I don't mean to. It's it, it has nothing to do with anybody. It's just me, and uh, I've been outputting too much, and which is why uh, I haven't been able to do top fives and book my own podcast, which is problem problem problematic as well, right? So I'm doing certain things gonna put in for some time off so I can actually have the time to think about this stuff and strategize um but perhaps you know doing some things like maybe you know seeing if I can maybe not participate in staff picks but then if I do do that I, I do want to actively not just track bets but find a place that I can track my picks as well for anybody who wants to follow along and because and it's fun um you know but having to do PFL, Bellator, UFC, and then only the main cards, but submit picks for the whole card and do it early in the it, it, it's, 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 I feel like, I feel like my process would, would be a lot easier without it, let's just say. Um, and, and I appreciate being on the staff, to, to be on staff picks, it's nothing to do with that, obviously, this is speakly, this is strictly speaking toward my process. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just uh, other things like that, just to kind of open up more time and I can finally dedicate maybe starting next year. Can remind uh, the masses, you know, uh, you know. I, I I don't like to say the best, but you know, maybe some of the best top five content um, in MMA. Bring that back and make sure I'm doing these once a month because there's plenty of people queued up that I got to get to. So those of you been asked about top five, sorry, long winded. I'm gonna push on to the recap right now, but I just wanted to touch on that as I shout the community, the support from everybody. That doesn't mean don't reach out to me or you can't reach out to me uh, or that it's not encouraged. It is. 
Um, but uh, if I don't get back in, you know, uh, in a timely manner, I just want to apologize and explain to you that uh, really just trying to uh, contain, consolidate, and catch up whilst still um, giving you guys uh, <laughs> good entertainment as my dog's having a nightmare back there. You can hear her snore. And, you know, hopefully helping you guys make money. All right, under 10 minutes, let's push on. We got uh, UFC, what is it? Yeah, 30. Uh, UFC Vegas 38 recap. We went 11 0 and 1 with a no contest. We will get to. Uh, we went 2 0 and 1 with that no contest on straight plays. 1 and 0 on the parlay. And 0 and 3 in the prop sprinkles. We'll get to those, but uh, it was still a winning night despite missing those. Perfect on the odds checker sheet. Um, as my most confident plays do go there. I will have them listed for this, but uh, there is definitely some sprinkles going on, and you guys are going to get everything because you are tuned in to here. But first, uh, we'll recap, yes, UFC Vegas 38. So Tiago Santos um, defeated Johnny Walker by unanimous decision. None of us picked that, man. Um, you know, the under was kind of the hedge uh, <clears throat> or the play. I ended up chasing and adding Santos. Not chasing. No, 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 because I, I won. Um, free rolling, I think, on Santos. At least on one account. I don't even think I even played on that. I wasn't even in a rush because I went well. Why did I... <coughs> Sorry. Um, oh, that's right. And then I ate the under and the other. That's right. I get it, yeah. Um, depending on fight night, the time I play, different accounts uh, will you know, decide if I, I I play something or not. Like, for example, there's an under that actually is the same. I only have it played in one account. We'll get to it. But whether it's in one account or both, um, I'm going to be transparent and give it to you here. Sorry. And I can't even read my own writing as per usual on these damn notes. Um, but, yeah, man, that that fight was, was pretty crazy. I had, I had it scored unanimously with the judges. Um, again, I... I don't know if you got the uh, pause there. I wasn't trying to S on SPG or jump on that train because um, I feel like I S on camps too much. But then they go out here, and whether it's the cornering or through their uh, uh, through their uh, <laughs> comments on IG when it's other camps, uh, yeah, they just they're out here proving your boy right. Um, so I yeah, not great cornering from the SPG side of things. I'm not sure what they were seeing. Um, and just curious what's going to happen with Johnny Walker and, and Tiago Santos as well, if he's going to get that, uh, confidence to come back. Weird matchup granted, but you know, um, we're about three matchups in now to his, uh, surgery comeback to see where he's at and he's not getting younger, right? Kevin Holland and Kyle, uh, Dukakis, <laughs> Dukakis, uh, was a, um, was a draw or no contest. I mean, sorry. Um, it should it shouldn't have been called a, a no contest after the fact it could have been man let me just write bad takes running rampant i wrote bold and about a plenty of things right now and it's ridiculous because i'm not trying to listen or look at my feed or anything like that but you can't help but see your scroll and man i i get people's well intent that you know the headbutt should mean a no contest but it's the process in which it went, went about it's not that we don't disagree that it eventually should have been a no contest, but the process <clears throat> was wrong. Um, it should have been wrong to the human eye. 
it was wrong to a loose knowing of the protocol, or it was wrong to as Aaron Bronstetter, one of the few and only people that actually like, cited the rules and like made it visible for all to see. I still hear people like days after the fact, like missing this point, like. <coughs> Um, <clears throat> Big Dan didn't follow the protocol. Um, and perhaps he was, and his, his, his gut instinct was, uh, you know, was right until he was convinced by Herb Dean, which is just like, ugh. Herb Dean, man, is he just fucking, fucking everything up, even when he's not reffing now? He's gonna, he's gonna come in and go, well, you know, what you could do is you, the safest thing is a no contest. No, the safest thing for you, Herb, is a no contest because you're constantly under scrutiny. But then again, so was Big Dan, you know? And I didn't mean to pick on Big Dan, <clears throat> but there are certain refs that have, like, it's weird. Like, I don't want to say insecurity, because, like, I've, I know I've accused, like, Jaron Vallel's kind of carried himself with a false sense of security, and it can be kind of dangerous. And, you know, he thinks he's confident and assertive, but he's really not. And I think he's been much better at that and maybe doing more in the judging I know he does martial arts, and he really cares about the just. I'm not trying to pick on him. It's just maybe from an earlier, I should say earlier, Jaron Vallejo sample size, right? Whereas Big Dan, it's not a false sense of security. The guy's a big guy. He's worked clubs. He's been in the scene. He's promoted fights, right? He's been around. He's been refing for a minute, obviously. Um, and again, it's human error and these chaotic situations that most of us can't even grasp. And yada, 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 respect to the position, of course. But at the same time, if we are to expect anybody to react, perhaps it's the people, well, it's their fucking job. Perhaps it's the people that it's their job and they've actually had the most experience. And although I wouldn't levy the, like, oh, insecure uh, or anything like false sense of security with, with Big Dan, I, I think this is more just because he's naturally a big guy and he's an animated person. So if you're an animated person and you're a big person, you're going to be much more animated than you mean to be. And it's a crazy situation, right? But just oftentimes, whether it's like the Czech Congo, Pat Barry thing, the him losing a shoe, trying to stop Michael Johnson, knocking out Dustin Poirier, right? Uh, or, or the times where maybe he's in the wrong, was it the Dennis Seaver or was it the Josh Emmett, Jeremy Stevens? And then the uh, Wyman Musasi, where there's protocol, you know, he's just, whether it's a clean stoppage, a crazy stoppage, um, a messy one with a controversial and commission getting involved in correctly, he's just kind of like, oh, I don't know, I just have to stay there, just stay there, just change He, you know, he kind of has a franticness about him, right? One. <laughs> I know, long number one there. But two, he's also kind of like I just stated, he's, all, he, he's also finds himself in these situations a lot. Perhaps because of that maybe frantic and indecisiveness. Not a false sense of security, maybe more indecisiveness, the better descriptive for him, right? Um, if we're going on patterns and stuff. And it just seems to be a pattern. And I didn't like it from the start because as soon as you get indecisiveness and not knowing your call, you're not in control of the octagon. People get hurt, as they did. People continue to get hurt because, you know, again, he allowed for the fight to go on and he allowed for like a minute plus of head trauma before he got choked out. So he got knocked out, choked out and head trauma in between Kevin Holland did. Um, so at the end of the day, they're not, he, you know, he, he didn't not call it for safety. He didn't hand signal late, mind you, uh, for, for replay for safety. They didn't call the audible meeting for safety. It was to save face. Just like the Herb Dean said, you know, you could do a no contact. You know, you could save face. Uh, that's what was the intent there of what they were trying to do. 
and it's bullshit. What it's not, and I, I know I, you know, saying I, I originally tweeted the bet. I was, you know, I was on one, right? And it, I was stupid, even though it is true. But more importantly, obviously, is the fighter is that it cheats the fighter out of a win bonus, where Dacus, where now Kevin Holland takes all that head trauma in vain and just takes the head trauma in addition to the head trauma, which is just bad. And it is in vain because now Dawkins doesn't even get paid for it. <coughs> now they would have returned, you know, would have went to a commission if they, you know, uh, after the fact, cause the ref did miss it like it was supposed to. And what would happen is it would be overturned to a no contest for everybody wanting that. But not only would betters go away with their bets, if they had any bets that went with it, but more importantly, Dawkins, God forbid a fighter gets more money, folks would have also have gotten that. But again, if it was about fighter safety or well-being, neither of those were taken into account. Both of those were taken from the fighters. Um, and that's what's bullshit. And that's what pisses me off out of principle. Because out of most principles, just like most of my things in traffic I get mad at, it's people mainly right in the right lane. Most things in MMA and commission-wise I get pissed off principally is safety. It's because safety is how they justify their job. And it's categorically what they're fucking the worst at. And that hypocrisy is just fucking ridiculous, which is why I hate commissions and ACs until shown otherwise. Um, and I have a lot of this bias, too, because I used to work in the construction industry where we had OSHA, city officials, and all these people in the name of safety. They didn't know their ass from a hole in the ground. They couldn't even tell you the different types of fucking spot welds, but they're going to fucking pass you or not. It was rid- goddamn ridiculous to see the fucking chuds and chodes who stop up the system and take up space in their cottage industry of safety for that of which they have no expertise and do not represent or do anything in the interest of. It's fucking sickening. And that's exactly what I see with these athletic commissions. And we should all see at this point, frankly. It's a fucking joke. I mean, look at the the canceled fight, um, which was a missing leg, which is fine. Uh, the parlay, which was fine, you know, I'll just take the two-leg in cash as I did. But Aspen Ladd, you know, she misses weight, you know, for, for the umpteenth time again. And is rewarded with a fight, a headlining fight at Featherweight. Now, I know that's a, a symptom of a weak card, uh, the symptom of just the weak state of things, which, by the way, again, hmm, y'all, I love USA every week. Everybody who doesn't is stupid. There's no such thing as burnout. I don't hear that crowd being as loud these days. Um, uh, but, yeah, um, so, you know, aside from that, she gets rewarded from that. But before that, not just missing the things, you know, which is a big deal. It's fighter accountability. And even though I want to be sympathetic to any fighter, whether it's a female or male does, uh or whatever they identify as, um, you know, at a sportsman level, if this is we're gonna pretend this is a sport, right? And we're gonna pretend weighing in is a serious thing. It is. It's on their accountability, and it's also on the team, uh, nutritionists, coaches, and managers' accountability. But when like all those roles, or at least three of those roles, loosely, generally, arguably are the same person who is also dating that fighter, you know, as, and I'm not saying it's this or anything like that, and I, I definitely don't want to, you know, there's a lot of conflict of interest there, and I don't want to throw too many stones because 
you know, this industry small. I, I, I think this person, you, you think they do a show with a journalist who, who, who uh, I respect and I'm friends with. I'm not trying to, but again, there's just a lot of conflicts of interest all over that fucking situation. And I've had my eye on it for a minute. Uh, and I think it's becoming more apparent to others in the gen pop as well. Uh, when Macy Kiesan, the, uh, the fighter left out in the cold here of this equation, seemingly was the only person, the person contractually obligated to beat the shit out of Aspen Ladd, was the only person that cared about her, that did not want to fight her in that state, because again, neither Ladd or Macy should have been put in that position when a fighter is fucking shaking on the scale, especially when they have a history of shaking. Again, we should be tracking these things and familiar, right? Um, you know, um, and whatnot. Like, it's just... Uh, it's just it's just you know it's just ridiculous uh, the protocol. I don't know if it's because, um, what's his name? The director wasn't there, and shouts to John Anik and the Anik and Florian podcast and Cody Merrill. I think it was there on that podcast. I was listening to Anik say he was going to ask the director, but he's not sure if he's going to be there for this card, UFC Vegas 39, because it's a fight night and he doesn't show up for the fight nights. You know, it's like the fuck. Oh, what, 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 because not enough cameras are there? Like, there's still the same amount of fighters. There's still human lives, still safety, still protocol needs to be upheld because shit still and always will and does fucking happen. But no, you probably didn't even have the fucking director there last weekend, week either. I'm willing to bet minus 550 putting a line on it. That's a low one. Name is safety, right? And um, you got, you know... Lad's manager fucking too busy tweeting and deleting at Misha Tate and, you know, yelling at the corners, yelling at the officials um, when, you know, uh, you know, when his fighter is, 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 in, is, in, is in bad shape. And that, that's going off of the media tweets who were there live reporting it, by the way. Um, it's just a really gross situation. And again, just bad takes everywhere. Just like the Ortega take and all those bad takes, folks. Again, that's, that's why... I, another reason why I'm not doing many podcasts... I'm, you guys should be sick of listening to me by now. Cause I'm fucking sick of listening to me. That being said, I'm really fucking proud of the recap I did on this show. And that I did with Jason Sargas and Sam Yang on Southpaw Pod. Because we were some of the only people that really talked about that and gave that the respect it should. Um, and talking about the the conflict of interest when the manager and coach is also acting as the chief corner. Um, and, uh, and the cost of that and the fact that nobody's seeing this, you know, I know it's, you know, and, and obviously, you know, I, I'm critical when I'm critical and it's funny people like, you know, and, and by the way, I, I, I credit, you know, Dana or the USC or USC broadcasts when it's, when it's due as well. In fact, I think I even like agreed with Dana in this last Dana White Contender Series, and I got a comment like, "Stop hating the Contender Series on Dana's Contender." Like, what the fuck was I hating on? Uh, anyways, um, but even even to that point, like I know, you know, it's 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 you know just it, it's both just and invoke to criticize the UFC and Dana White, right? That being said, I would argue these managers are just as fucking bad. Um, if you know, as far as these issues that that deserve criticism go, right? If we're being critical and fair. Um, and I feel like these managers get off fucking easy. And I know there's a lot of good managers out there. 
a lot of good coaches that act as managers because they got nothing else uh, to do. You know, the resources are limited on both ends, and they're just doing their best to help the fighter. Um, believe me. Um, there's so much to it that I wouldn't know from the coach, from the managerial, from the uh, lawyer point of view of contracts. Believe me, I'm not trying to downplay or downgrade anyone personally or anyone's work or role. But there are so many fucking sharks and snakes out there, man. And if y'all haven't been paying attention before, you better be paying attention now because we are getting fucking examples that are clear and on the weekly. And with the numbers coming out and the system stretched thin, it's showing all the folds and creases, baby. It's hard to hide if you know what to look for. So it's just really bad shit going on and really bad takes. Thank those, thank you, those of you listening now, those of you not putting out bad takes, those of you actively, actively in there doing the good work and then replies. Shouts to you because... <sighs> Because, boy, this sport and the media space needs it because the media is, is not doing a great job, if, if that is an understatement of the year, coming from a media person. All right, uh, uh, this is a recap of the card, I promise, but I just had the, the Holland Dacus Commission Safety Lad Kieson, um, that, that that was all relevant and part of the recap, right? Uh, we're going to go through the rest really quickly. Nico Price defeated Alex Oliveira. Again, uncharacteristic decision and another chaos, uh, predicted chaos about on the card. Uh, Christoph Yutko defeated Misha Serkinov. I didn't end up playing, and I did say this on Aaron's pre-show and tweet this, but I didn't end up uh, playing the prop that I was eyeballing. A, it wasn't enough, and B, it just... It just wasn't enough for the for, for you know the very low chance of it happening. So uh, Alexander Hernandez defeated Mike uh, Breeden. Grats on you, round one KO players. Um, I know I was all warning people like looking for the angle on the uh, you know which could be dangerous on this one too. By the way, I'm a big favorite on this card. But hey, a cash, a good on you. Uh, Jared Gordon defeated Joe Selecki. I felt like I was on an island there. Uh, felt better when Zane over on the bloody elbow account said he had uh, Jared Gordon as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was one of my more confident plays on the card, even though I felt on an island. I hope that portends good for the island that I feel like I'm on on this week's dog play. But uh, Jared Gordon cashes as predicted. He dogs it out. Just like he did look a bit improved, though. Uh, I want to go back and see it, but I believe he looked improved on the feet. Casey O'Neill defeated Antonina Shevchenko. Um Looked a little rough at first, and then once she got going into the ground, you know, she, she did her thing. Carol Hosa defeated Betch Cohea. Unanimous decision, called that one. Ah, another dog picked that cash. Jimmy Malarkey, Ted Danson's bastard son, baby, defeated Devontae Smith. Um, again, how I how I how I described it as well, you know, and, and shouts to my man Aaron Bronstetter with a really kind tweet. Um, dude's too kind to me. Uh, for my crazy ass on air, and and he even deals with my crazy ass off air, man. Aaron's one of the dudes I definitely, obviously, and not just you know friendly with, friends with, uh, communicate in the DMs, and um, and uh, and yeah, he he had a really kind tweet saying uh, just you know anybody can pick the right fights, but can you explain how it's going to go down? And I really pride myself on that analysis. So thank you, Aaron, and thank you, Malaki. 
Shouts to uh, <laughs> shouts to Mark Fellows, the the Australian contingent running strong. Douglas De Silva D'Andrade gets it done as predicted with his counters, and uh, countered. Uh, what would Brian Boitano do? Gaetano Perello do on his face? Hopefully he's okay. Gaetano is. Um, and yeah, Douglas De Silva D'Andrade, you know, share some of the steroids, bro. You don't need them all. Uh, Jesus, Dan. Sorry, allegedly. Uh, Stephanie Edger. <laughs> Defeated Shana Young. I don't even remember anything about this fight. I apologize. I think I was in transit, like, doing something with the dogs. And I didn't watch much of this until the end. Alejandro Perez gets the old-school um, submission. I'm not crediting it to catch or anything. I just remember doing it back in the day. Uh, Neil would teach that one and then pair it for when they rip their arm away because usually um, people should be better to, to do that, let their arm get caught in there. Uh, it feeds into an arm triangle, but... Uh, if you look at Johnny Eduardo's history, the man will uh, will piece you up, and if it doesn't work, uh, he's got his submission tap parachute, and uh, Johnny Eduardo's out, man. It was just crazy. Um, end of an era, again, shouts to Zane Simon, who tweeted, uh, Dan Henderson started his career in MMA and retired within the, the, the lifespan of Johnny Eduardo's 1996 through 2021 career, which is pretty, pretty insane. All right, that was the recap. We're going to move on to uh, UFC Vegas 39. Cue it up. Take a sip of water. We're going to start from top to bottom. Ah, sorry. With um, Mackenzie Dern, minus 166, and Marina Rodriguez, plus 140. Um, yeah, I usually go with the, uh, with the, uh, better grappler in the smaller cage, submission grappler. However, I'm still not sold on Dern's wrestling, strategic sensibilities, or defensive wherewithal. She has improved, and I'm a big fan of Jason Perillo, have been, you know, but, uh, and, and he's helped her improve her punching mechanics. Um, you could tell that she at least has a guard on the way in and moves her head on the way in, one of those things, but it completely disappears in exchanges, much less when she's under fire. Her old habits where her guard will actually drop down and her head will dip very both very bad things for obvious reasons against a counter slash coming forward right hand uh, knee on the come forward and counter uh, fighter like Rodriguez. Um, and that's the thing is offensively she's improved, but defensively she hasn't. And not even always offensively, like her striking offense has improved. Her jiu-jitsu offense has always been there, but her wrestling offense has not improved. Um, that's something I focused on in my breakdown, which I felt better because I later listened to an interview that said Mackenzie Dern herself has admitted that she hasn't even worked on her wrestling. She hasn't been, like, since she moved camp. In fact, and again, Perillo, BJ Penn, Chris Cyborg, and Michael Bisping he's taught. And she seems to have adapted the Michael Bisping sense of thought where she looks at the, I think it was two times she's gotten, at least in the UFC, I know she's done an LFA before, um, she's gotten the knockdown, and then that led to the submission. She looks at that as like, and, and Bisping jokes at that to get a rise, 
But like she legit was saying it as like it was a truth. Like, you know, I think that's just a more efficient. I think she even said it was a more efficient takedown. And uh, I didn't catch the humor there. Let's just say I was like, oof, that is not good. Falling in love with your hands. And the crazy part is she is heavy handed and she does seem to have, you know, a lot of heart and natural durability. So perhaps she lands a perfect shot and that could be it. However, I really do think it's a first-round submission or bust outside of her Invicta fight, which is her only third-round submission. All her submissions come in the first round. Um, and she has shown not to be like a Yo Romero or Brian Ortega as far as clutch goes. I thought maybe she could have that coming off Invicta into the UFC, but she doesn't really do that. Um She's really finicky, and when she goes for submissions and, and whatnot. Now, in her last fight, to her credit, she seemed to get right to her game against someone really well-respected, uh, Nina, Nina Nunez, formerly known as um, Nina Ansaroff, right? So, that was really good. Uh, and she did get the single leg, uh, but it was really that sloppy, and even, even DC comments on how it's sloppy technique that would never work in wrestling, but you can get away with it in MMA. And Dern certainly got away with it, obviously, right? And all she needs is the one takedown, and that certainly stands here. I'm not denying that. She could certainly win by submission with just one takedown. Um, not denying that. Um, I just, I'm just not sold on the technique or the entries. She's still crashing her head head first, uh, which, again, is just asking to be countered. Um, when she ties up, she still doesn't seem like confident in a process on where to chain from things. She'll either go for the good old head and arm variations a lot of the times because she seems to just, her one automatic instinct is an over-under, which is fine, but she doesn't seem to know where to go and she'll lose the underhook battles or will or will give it going for like her own tie clinch. And then she, at that point, fighters, every time she's done that, fighters literally like easily just separate from her and get away. Um, definitely not going to work against Rodriguez, one of the best clinch fighters in that division. And her wrestling defense, part of the against the cage where Dern gets her takedowns. Well, that's also where Rodriguez is strongest. And the one thing I did notice about Dern, um, whether it's against the cage or uh, in the open, because she will occasionally shoot in the open, which is what she'll need to do as history is proven you need to do against Rodriguez, especially those reactive shots is that Dern doesn't really run her feet through her feet always has, have a bad habit of stopping short. Um, and I don't, I don't like that. Uh, you look at the takedowns that Carlos Barza, again, one of the best wrestlers in that division and has been for years. Um, or, uh, Cynthia Calvillo, like that's, you know, Calvillo doesn't go to it. Kind of the same problem as Dern. She's not consistent with it, but when Calvia does go to it, she actually has, has good re, uh, reactive doubles. Uh, some of the better ones in the division, actually, I would argue, even though now she's up at flyweight, right? But but back when when, when this was at strawweight, she fought Rodriguez. Um, so there's not a lot of shame in those. And I know there's other ones on there, granted, but like I, I'm talking about the more uh, more relevant. Um, and... and a lot of times when she was taken down too, like even against uh, Michelle Waterson, uh, Michelle again, that's a part of her game. She should get credit for. She's actually really underrated with that. And a lot of these times too, these girls are shooting at the perfect times. Like while well, Hadrigas is kicking, so I'm not counting against her too much. 
Now it is weird her get up game. It, I almost feel like she was like she went through this a couple fights ago. Like it, it, it starts looking like really, really good. Like we're seeing the get up game improve um, against Esparza, even in the loss, right? But since then, maybe because she lost to Esparza, and maybe with the um, Waterson fight, it was short notice. She was admittedly worried about her cardio because it was short notice and her first five-rounder, which she won a five-round fight, right, to her credit. Uh, only one between these two to have that sample size. Um, she's been seceding back position more and, like, closing up the guard. Now, you could argue this actually is the safer thing to do because maybe she's worried about giving her back. But she was able to get up and not give her back and use the cage smartly against Calvillo, again, one of the best back takers at that division when she was fighting at it. And Esparza, not necessarily known as the best back taker, but she did finish uh, Chud Ho's uh, Nama Yunus there. Ugh. Let me start on that. Anyways, um... <clears throat> uh, and obviously, you know, wrestling rides and positions and whatnot. And uh, even though she lost, you know, she wasn't uh, made to pay too hard from that particular position. So it makes me scratch my head that she doesn't keep going to it. However, you could argue it's the safer, the lesser of two evils against Dern. You just want to try to survive till either the ref can give you a stand-up or you make it to the end of the round. Uh, however, and I believe I think it was Random Marcos who pulled guard granted. Um, but I think it was her who closed the guard in an attempt to stop her. And watching Dern's just cut through closed guards like not nothing um, will still make me worry. <laughs> Obviously, again, hence the one takedown, it could be everything, right? Because even if Marina plays uh, conservative, um, I'm still going to worry in that regard. But um, between, again, Dern not having the wrestling, admitting she's not working it, uh, I just think that uh, I just think that she's going to take take too many shots uh, and and be dissuaded off of it. And when she gets to the clinch uh, and gets past the counters, if she gets past the counters, she's going to have a rude awakening in the clinch with the collar tie situation. And not knowing how to navigate that properly. Um, she's eating knees. She keeps too much hip space as well. And she pretty much eats body knees to everybody. And now against Rodriguez, that's going to be really not good. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you know, and... Dern could, could 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 get away with it again and maybe not get taxed till she gets up to the top. Or she gets the rude awakening here. It's one of those fights where, you know, you could argue Dern, off my first instinct, might have been stylist equivalent for Rodriguez. But when I looked at it, I go, oh, no, I think it's the other way around. So we'll see who's right. But my side ends up on plus money. So I took Rodriguez in the money line, plus 151. I got her for one unit. And I also sprinkle on rounds three and four because I think she can get it done uh, and force a stoppage, even if Dern's tough. Um, I know you can't count on corners, and, and again, they're not looking out for safety, so this sounds bad. But, you know, between <clears throat> Jason's been in there and has stopped the corner before. Uh, he was in the corner with GSP BJ2. Uh, Jason comes from boxing. Uh, and not to play that, you know, girls and all, oh, we don't want to see girls get hurt. But, you know, you, you could have a bit of that from either the ref prematurely pulling the trigger in a stoppage, which we've seen uh, females get kind of disproportionately in that regard, hence the accusations, or, you know, the corner themselves doing it. Um, and Rodriguez using a lot of elbows. Uh, if she does go on the ground, we've seen her cut girls open, 
girls open from her back, and I got to imagine she's going to be throwing Hail Marys in that regard. If she closes up her guard, she's going to be going to Elbow City. So maybe she gets it stopped with a cut even, too, and all these things kind of, uh, you know, attrit and add up. So uh, hopefully one of those hit. I put 1.7 use unit sprinkles. Um, I'm getting pretty exact because I'm, I'm pretty much up to regular unit sizes. The reason why I say I haven't been betting like a kid with uh, an allowance because I haven't been lately, and that's also part of the reason why I've been stressing lately more on these picks, folks. Um uh, is because I'm at a crucial point where, um, you know, I can, uh, I can withdraw a couple to a few thousand dollars from each account and, uh, the, the accounts I play. And, um, for me, that's, 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 you know, and I have a blue check mark. Uh, I have a decent ride. I'm fixing up. I'm very lucky enough to have a, a roof over my head, but that doesn't mean I'm, I'm rich or well off by any means, folks. Uh, we'll just leave it at that because, you know, you, should, you shouldn't assume anything about anybody. And uh, let's just say that time off I talked about, well, part of the reason um, why I'm reluctant, because, again, there's no off-season in MMA. And, again, I like these fighters, not to compare myself, but in the sense of independent contractors. Well, we don't get a lot of pay. We don't get a lot of benefits. So um, I want to take time off. i got to make sure I have money to take that time off to cover me. You know, it doesn't grow on trees. So, um, yeah, <laughs> if I just admitted to my financial state. But, yeah, I think we're all kind of gambling on ourselves. And I've been gambling on myself, for those that know me, um, since I started in one way or another. But now i am really been gambling on myself. So that's, that's part of the reason why your boy's been, been a bit stressed. But, again, everything's transparent. And it's also why these, um, if you notice these past few months, the uh, these past months, probably since last year, uh, the unit sizes have been pretty spot on. Um, so yeah, when I say 1.7 or 0.17, I mean it's a 0.17 for rounds three and four, and a whole unit on the money line at plus 151. All right, next fight. Um, what is the next fight? Jesus, cancel fights. We got um. Randy Rude Boy Brown minus two twenty five. Jared Gooden plus one eighty eight. Oh my eyes are bad. Yep, I'm certainly the end of my day. Um, I was thinking about playing Randy Brown in a parlay. Uh, he is like in the, like the second layer, uh, so to speak. When I do that breakdown, just for confidence, not trying to uh, rip my man uh, C.J. Safdick and uh, shouts to to Paul and the Dogger Pass podcast. But uh, it is a good format as far as I, uh, confidence uh, for people that ask that, right? Shouts to my man, Gorgeous George. I know he always asks the confidence. Uh, he's got his own system for confidence, too, and uh, reference points. So, you know, um, you know, you got you to you gotta, gotta get your system together, folks. Um, but, yeah, um, I, uh, I got Randy Brown here. It's just hard to tell, you know. It's hard to get a beat. Uh, could he be the first person to submit uh, Jared Gooden? Perhaps. Jared Gooden is a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's technically a higher rank than Randy Brown's purple belt. But I think Randy Brown's been making some real nogi improvements between the fact that his purple belt has kind of stayed, which fighters, they either stay at purple belt forever or they eventually move up. Um, and his grappling still seems to be getting better even though his rank is not moving up. Uh, and doing specific nogi things like the one-arm choke, something that specifically was working. Shout out to Rich Castro. Um... Uh, so I really dug that, and and, and if you look at uh, Gooden, I wanted to watch his takedowns because he's 100% accuracy, but only two takedowns. 
two different fights over three three fight sample size. Uh, pretty much saying that every time he shot for a takedown, albeit twice, two different times, he got it. Um, one was much nicer than the other, but both left his neck exposed and costed him tight guillotines. And against a guy who has those long arms and specializes, well, we know how that goes. Those long arm guys can, you know, get the submissions over the higher credentialed grapplers, um, you know, or, or just the fellow Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts, right? That's always something to uh, to watch out for. Um, so I could see him giving Jared Gooden his first submission loss. Jared Gooden does like to do box as well, though. And Randy Brown, though susceptible to leg kicks, he also is the guy more likely to leg kick, although Jared Gooden, his fight didn't last long on short notice, but he came out making it a point to go three for three against Stolze on leg kicks. So maybe Jared Gooden added offense. However, I doubt that either of them have defense as both their boxing-centric stances will make them susceptible to that. Um, and they both kind of tend to shell a bit too. Uh, and Brown, although he is taller by two inches or th- four inches, he will only have a one-inch or one-and-a-half-inch reach advantage. That being said, his one and two still looks every damn bit potent down the pike if he is to throw it on Gooden. Uh, So he could stop him that way, or it could be a gritty decision. I say gritty because Randy Brown doesn't win many decisions. Uh, In fact, Gooden has won more decisions. And whether it was his UFC debut against Joe Ban um, or other, I believe, short notice opportunities, this guy seems seems to stay in good condition. Um, He seems to, you know, really, really dog it out and... uh, I could see him still being, you know, still being there. If Randy Brown doesn't put him out, I could still see him being there swinging live in the third round. Um, and, you know, perhaps Jared Gooden can get, I don't know if he can submit Brown. Maybe he can take him down and make the fight dirty. But, you know, he could get a knockout as well, right? That's always on the table. Um, so, yeah, it, I feel like I may just want to sit back and watch or only sprinkle if I'm up. Or if it's on, like, an added bonus layer of a parlay kind of a deal. Uh, next fight, um, Mateus, uh, Nicolau minus 200, Tim Elliott plus 168. I initially wanted to stay away from this one, uh, being reminded that Elliott is actually on a winning streak, which, uh, w- which was kind of crazy to me. I forgot. And the fact that, you know, I do like Elliott and, uh, Elliott also, um, you know, under James Krause, great coach, great corner camps on a roll. And listening to an interview of Elliot just, you know, really sounds like what you want to hear, right? Like, he is just, this is a shot, you know, he he knows he's 35, this is his time to do it, um, to make a run, uh, and he's taking it serious, admit, you know, his past, you know, fumbles and whatnot. However, it's tough because I feel like Tim Elliott, he had different degrees, he was all scrappy when he came on. Then he had the second chapter going through tough, right? Did well there. Granted, I still feel like people overinflate the performance if you actually go back and watch his fight with DJ. Not that it's not impressive by any means. Please do not. It's, it's fucking impressive. I'd never, ever be able to to fucking even sniff that type of feat. I'm just saying that people tend to not watch fights and overinflate when you do good against a dominant champion. The success that happens, that's something that just traditionally happens. It's human nature. Um, so there was that, and then now there's this third iteration with the juggle of, you know, uh, he went out originally, you know, to train with Fallis and got close to him like many of us did, uh, self-included, and then, you know, Fallis passed. Um, and, you know, yeah, man, 
don't blame him for for being down on the down and you know explaining stuff. But however, if you look through all this stretch of the ups and downs, it's still like the guys he fought were either not in the UFC anymore, were amidst losing streaks and their own you know alcoholic turmoils like Luis Smoka, right? Um, and even in his recent winning streak, it's like guys who have lost four out of their last five. Seven of their last nine type of dudes, you know, um, who are on their way out or already been cut. So it's a really deceptive record where Nikolau, he's got the, you know, two years drop off. And then he's got a split decision over a really talented guy that, again, the narrative is that cop won because cop again came in with all the hype. And you don't need me to tell you my feelings on hype and the, the things that it does. Like I just explained to you, one of many. It also has the effect of, since, you know, people couldn't see, oh, Cap's not going to come in and lose again, and then, you know, he did. Uh, you know, people can't say, well, it was split, so it was close. And it was close, but it, it wasn't, people are making out to be like, oh, it should have went. Like, no, I actually think the, it was close, but I think the right person won. And by, picking bias aside, I don't know if I bet that one. I think I might have stayed away. Um, maybe I did because he was a dog. Uh, Nikolau, my pick. But he lands a lot of body shots and counters, and that's what makes fights a lot closer. Uh, or He's one of the first dudes doing the calf kicks, too. Not first. I mean, Jim Miller was doing it almost five years before him. But 2016 in that John Moraga fight, uh, I know I bring up some bad betting memories for myself and others uh, who weren't wise to Nikolau then. Uh, but um, he actually was like doing calf kicks really accurately back then. But, of course, we know judges, counters, leg kicks, body shots. Um, they don't reward them the best. So that's why his fights can seem closer to the, the, the naked uh, or uh, uneducated eye. And I don't even want to say uneducated because the fucking judges are supposed to be educated and they miss the shit, right? So I'm not coming at you guys by more at the judges, obviously. Uh, but, like, yeah, so, again, yeah, it was a competitive and close fight, but it wasn't, like, the wrong guy won or anything, um, uh, you know, in my opinion. Um, but, uh... But yeah, uh, Nikolau, you know, his only um, weak, perceived weakness could be his chin. It did look like he was rocked, but again, unless he is like visibly on wobbly legs or dropped, it gets super subjective. And then you have the commentators doing the, oh, he's rocked. And then they project it onto you and you're like, oh yeah, he must've been rocked. And that's all you remember from it. Again, just like this telephone game I keep citing of hype and narrative without actually doing the work. Um, but yeah, like, uh, it, it gets really squirrely, but Nikolau just does consistent work. Um, he's never fought five rounds like Tim Elliott regionally or UFC. Not that this is a five round fight, but as far as like a measure of cardio goes, but he's, he's been a decision, uh, for almost half his career. His fights have went to decision and he's won them all, um, that have gone to the cards. Uh, he's never been submitted. Because he's a Brazilian, long-time Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. who's actually like won competitions and tournaments. Uh, a little bit of amateur boxing uh, as well. Um, but again, Tim Elliott, he, you know, so... And by the way, like, even like um, John Moraga or the wrestlers and early in, in Nicolau's career, the guy has that Nova Anyao hardwired takedown defense. Um, that looked like it was good enough to beat Tim Elliott back in 2016. I'm going to guess it hasn't gotten worse. He's gotten bigger, stronger. He looks like he's been staying in, in shape, ready to fight. But didn't fight for seven months out, which was good. And you look at his Instagram, he's been training, staying in, staying in really good shape. And, and again, Elliot looks in great shape too. 
Um, but uh, not that I play the age card, but you know you do got to wonder flyweight uh, 35 versus 28 coming into his own. Maybe he doesn't have a, a so much of a chin problem, Nicolau. But if he does, I don't think Tim Elliott's got to do it. Tim Elliott only, for all his experience, only has three TKO slash KO wins. The most relevant one comes over a decade ago to, again, that, that trend even continues back then, a fighter who was on a losing streak on their way out, Jens Pulver. No disrespect to Jens. Little evil. Love little evil. Southpaw love, baby. I'm just saying, calling it for what it is, being critical, right? And then you go to the fights before that. It, 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 you got to go, like, you know, back to 2008 and shit. Um, so I don't think he knocks him out. Uh, I don't think he submits him. Um, so Tim's really got to get a decision and to get a decision, I think he's got to take him down and I don't think he's taking him down. So, uh, so I'm, I'm going to take Nicole out here. Um, the guy's just super technical everywhere and, uh, and I like it. Um, next fight is a, a void for me. Uh, Sabina Mazo, stay on target, stay on target. Minus one seventy two. Uh, Maria Agapova plus one forty four. Uh, just you know, I like where Agapova's heads at, and she had a camp change. Um, page note for when we talk about Charles Rosa, I think she went to, to kind of camp change with him to Samford slash uh, a satellite ATT offshoot or a different offshoot. Uh, because uh, I believe she was at ATT slash the ATT offshoot with uh, Charles McCarthy and Charles Rosa. But similar to Charles Rosa and what many other fighters have said, which, which if they're not amongst the top or title contention tier, this has been a common kind of complaint, if you will. Um, which makes sense. It's hard to get specialized attention when you're in that big of a gym. Um, so there's a lot of stagnation. And... I know other podcasts uh, with other analysts have uh, much smarter than me, like uh, Fight Site guys or Heavy Hands guys, I believe talked about like ATTs kind of scratched their head. Are they good game planners? Aren't they good game planners? And like, and have had different examples. And I think those examples um, can be delineated, uh, if that's the right word, uh, in the same way that I said with the fighters who are complaining about not getting attention. I feel like the fighters not getting attention usually are the ones having no semblance of a game plan, which makes sense. They don't have a semblance of a game plan if they're not getting attention, right? Or the fighters that are getting attention, well, those are the ones that are not coincidentally coming in a bit more well-prepared now, aren't they, right? Um, so it sounds like uh, Charles McCarthy... And, uh, and and some of the other coaches moved from that situation to another one, a smaller gym, uh, not far. Um, and between that not being far to Charles Rosa not being far uh, from Sanford, uh, as well as Sanford MMA, which is crazy because Charles Rosa used to run by when it was black zillions, you know, and you can hear the commentary. Goldie and Joe are like, I wonder what he yells when he runs by. Probably something not good. If you know Charles, yo, 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 this is Boston Mass. I know I'm getting out of that fight already. But uh, it's, it's kind of funny that he went there. But apparently Agapova did too. So who knows with that. I think Maso said she moved somewhere and moved cities. Does that mean she moved camp? I don't know. My man John John Rico, let me know. Is she still over there at King's MMA? Uh, you know I'm going with, uh, with your girl Sabina. Sabina. Easy, Dan. Uh, I just think that, uh, you know, the brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, she's working on that. Uh, she's really working on her striking process. I like her back down at 125. Um, she's either going to get uh, upset by decision or um, 
win a split or get a head kick KO in the second. Those are the three outcomes. All right, uh, but I'm going to avoid it. Pick his Mazo. Second round, head kick. Let's go the fun round. Uh, next fight, uh, Phil Hawks. Phil Hawks. Uh, so, uh, minus 330. Uh, Darren Wynn, Team Teddy Bear, baby. Plus 265. Darren Wynn out there with uh, Devin Clark. Brown Bear, come on, Devin. You got to fuck out there. Uh, <laughs> and uh, who is the other Team Teddy Bear? Uh, who uh, a girl I used to date said uh, this fighter what was his name. Uh, Drakkar Close looks like a, a MMA fighter. Built in a build a bear shop, and I just feel like you could just say that with his fellow team Teddy Bear members, uh, uh, Darren Wynn and uh, Devin Clark, <laughs> just like t- Teddy Bears, Teddy Graham, hashtag Teddy Graham, motherfucker. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so I picked Hawes here. Um, I I was originally gonna put him in my parlay. I didn't get scared off him completely because I picked him, and I did make a play here. Uh, I, I didn't listen. I tried to listen to anybody, obviously, uh, ever. I, ugh, fucking. <laughs> As, speaking of my man Aaron putting up with me, ask my man Aaron this week, man. I was like fucking covering my eyes and ears. Like, don't tell me nothing. Don't tell me nothing. I don't want to know. I didn't want to know anyone's opinion about fucking anything um, because it's just such a fucking minefield to steer through every week. Um because I, I actually do really, really genuinely pride myself on on, on original takes over here, folks. Um, but um, but yeah, what was it? What the fuck was I saying? I better get through this fast. Um, oh yeah, Hoss. But uh, I did see through the through the scrolling of the feed, and again, um, I haven't listed, but uh, I'll shout him. I already shouted out the Dogger Pass podcast. I, I think CJ might have hinted picking. Darren Wynn, and I, because I know my man, my man Clinton out there banging the the, the war drums, um, and, you know, and, you know, a lot of fighters here would would be talking about. They don't tend to lose twice in a row, you know, uh, or they if they, 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 they always come hungry on fight week. They've got you know they whether they're coming off a loss or a win is what I'm trying to say is they've got that hunger and edge to them. My man Clint's out there fucking in the in these streets, my man, and uh, we're on the same side of Rodriguez, but um. I'm pretty sure he's. Uh, I saw him out there banging up uh, Darren Wynn, and not just tinfoil hat, but uh, you know, saying you know, a lot of people, other people I respect as well, like CJ and, and so forth, um, on him. So that scares me, man. You know, people I respect on Team Teddy Bear. That's a recipe right there. You know what I'm saying? And uh, let's be honest, if, if, if Phil Oz goes out there and drops the ball, well, it's not gonna be the first time we saw Hogs drop the ball, right? I mean. Um, that being said, Phil Hawes impressed the hell out of me. Not only did he show an improved gas tank, but he showed an improved gas tank under duress. He was rocked in the second round, a round where things traditionally have always fallen apart for him. But not only did he compose himself and compose himself and compose his gas tank, because both those things are hard to do. They are two different things. They don't always come together, by the way. But he also started fighting smart and strategically. It was like one of those movies in the lightning strikes, you know, or something. And, like, it's like flowers for Algernon. And Hawes is just, like, fucking, he just became based Hawes. And he's like, I'm going to go to the body. (laughs) His blonde hair started glowing, right? Started getting his boy Brunson effect. And um, he just started going to the body. And it was one of the more beautiful adjustments. I think I referenced a shout-out to my man Dan Albert. On uh, top five tactical battles, it wasn't one of them, obviously, but it was just a great example of this year. 
And um, you know, for future Dukakis, Dukakis, War Dukakis, I'm not trying to bring it, bring, bring shame, shame and body shots upon their house, but you know that, that did happen. Um, and when you look at Darren Wynn, whether it was Eric Spicely, uh, Gerald Mearshart, um, Uwounds, Uwounds, I can't remember if Darren Stewart did. Although I will remind you guys, I did cash that Darren Stewart fight for a note I'm about to give now. Um, that Darren Stewart dog price, uh, but uh, oh, uh, Ahoyo, uh, everyone's who hits him to the body has, has hurt him to the body. They haven't been able to follow up because uh, they either get wrestled, or crowd their work, so on and so forth, right? Or they just choke him out like in GM three shots of GM three cool troop in the house. Um, you know they choke him out, right? Um, so. Yeah, that, that, that body that body shot's a perfect thing. Guys who, who throw knees also eat him up. Now, you know, Phil Hawes out, ain't out here throwing knees like, you know, Donald Cerrone or anything, but they are instinctually when people come in the pocket. He has sprinkled them consistently through his fights. Uh, so that's something to watch out for as well as uppercuts and just right hands in general, you know. Darren Wynn, if the marks that he kind of comes in on with more on his disproportionately on his left than his right – to the scar and eyebrow marking from repeated cuts that's disproportionately on his left side eyebrow to his right eyebrow means that right hands are landing uh, at a disproportionate level. And that is also, you know, even early hogs money shot, right? You know, a hogs money shot round one, two, right? And I think that's actually going to happen here. I think either round one or maybe round two, actually. And, you know, you could sprinkle those props, but it gets really dangerous. Um, I actually just was going to play, I admit it, I was going to play Haas with a good enough line uh, by KO. But considering I was able to get, and you might not get this everywhere, um, I was able to get plus 105 uh, as long as it lasts on Haas inside the distance that covers submission. Because that's another thing is that Haas at least pays attention to grappling positions. You know what I'm saying? Like he does proper get-ups. Even against Kyle Dock is a guy who's dangerous from front headlocks and back takes, one of the few at middleweight. He actually did the Charles Rosa style um, getup where he hooks the leg, he hooks the the left leg with his right arm, and uh, and rolls out almost looks like he's gonna like roll to a knee bar or arm bar combo, but then uses it to roll to his back and get up really fast um, and avoid the back take. Uh, Diaz brothers would do a similar thing. I'm like fuck it, Phil Haas out here doing that middleweight and shit, right? Pretty damn impressive. Um, also knows the single leg getup. Also has gotten submissions, even from early Haas, from guard submission to, I believe, a rear naked choke, which is classic, maybe even a guillotine. So the guy knows submissions and training with actual wrestlers who do submissions over at Sanford, from uh, Chas Kelly to um, uh, uh, all these guys who can wrestle and submit and grapple, um, you know, is it the craziest thing if he hurts Darren Wynn and then just, you know, Darren Wynn goes to shoot and, and Hawes just muscle mans his neck with a standing guillotine? Or, you know, uh, shoots and sprawls him out and goes to his back, punches, 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 he gives his neck, he takes it for just an easy RNC? Um, it's not the craziest thing in the world, although I still think that Hawes is going to knock him out uh, with a right hand. Um, so uh, I'm still going to pick Hawes, and then I actually still ended up uh, sprinkling... Um, not even actually no no I didn't sprinkle I put a unit oof put a put a unit on inside the distance because it was plus one hundred five my my initial thing I I remember because I was initially gonna go one point either half a unit or maybe just a bit lower like point four five range 
because I believe for Hawes KO, which what admittedly was going to play, because I didn't think I was going to get it inside the distance for plus money. And maybe in the other house, I may have to still play it. So who knows? I'll, I'll, I'll definitely lower the unit size there for exposure. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe the smarter thing is to play that, actually. So you, so you don't have to go as exposed. Or just play the inside the distance and don't expose yourself as much units as me. Um, or a whole unit like I did. Uh, inside the distance, plus 100. It's listing now. Oh, Haas by KO, TKO, plus 150. Not much more, but still, plus 150, I could have still gotten away with doing a half unit, and then that would have, you know, won a unit if, uh, you know, the parlay crashes or Rosa doesn't cash. Um, oh, Rosa, yeah, I guess Rosa gave away my, as if, you know, you guys don't already know where I'm going there. Uh, we're not there yet. Anyway, so, yeah, I, I, Phil Hawes actually does his jiu-jitsu, whereas Darren Wynn, the reason why I even picked a guy like Darren Stewart, not known for his grappling, is because Wynn, who transferred over to freestyle after college and granted made it, you know, the U.S. team, which is really good. Again, as I explained, um, freestyle versus folk style. From a stereotypical standpoint, stylistically, uh, folk translates much better because you are uh, stalling is discouraged. There's more mat wrestling, obviously. That's super valuable for striking or submissions in MMA. Uh, whereas freestyle, it's more um, reward, encouraged for st for stalling and scoring, um, and less emphasis on control and mat wrestling. Um, is a really brutal short way to explain it. See Ed Gallo for a better, uh, but yeah, um, Darren Wynn doesn't seem to you know, and he coaches kids wrestling so much, admittedly, and he's got like a rib injury that's nagging, which means it's gonna always kind of pop up, you know. He's all core. So who knows if he's uh, recovered from that because he had to pull out of their last booking a couple months ago from it. Um, yeah, there's just too many too many flags on the wind side plus the size. You know, five inches in size, six plus inches in reach. Yeah, it's... Um, you know, And the fact that even psychological stuff, Darren Wynn knew, even though he is technically a higher accoladed wrestler, um, as a national champ, although, you know... JC champs haven't done too bad for themselves, whether it's Rumble Johnson or John freaking Jones, right? I guess so. In that sense, uh, you know, and F, you know, if John Jones, otherwise, you don't, you know, what I'm saying. But uh, as far as uh, we're talking about, just within context and credential here, um, to what we're talking about. Um, so you know, again, Haas's JC title not bad, but it, it does say something that Haas had no clue about Darren Wynn, but Darren Wynn knew who Haas was back in the wrestling days. So there could be that psychological thing. Or if there is, it's going to be on Wynn's side because he's the one who fucking remembers. Haas don't care. He wasn't paying attention. Um, so I am scared. All respect to uh, to anybody out there who is uh, on Team Teddy Bear. But uh, my pick is Haas. Um, I left him out of the uh, the main parlay here because of that. Uh, out of his spec, but I did take him take a straight prop shot at plus money for the way I, I do see this fight going. I can't help it, uh, which is inside the distance plus 105, uh, one unit, and then when it opens up in the other house, I'll probably just do half a unit if I can get the one plus 150 range. Whoa, sorry about that. Just hit my mic. Um, all right, uh, Chris Gutierrez minus 260 now. Wow, plus 215 for Felipe Kolarish. Um, taking Chris Gutierrez as the second leg of the three-leg fun parlay here. 
that I have a unit on. Um, I was worried about this one because you're laying chalk on Gutierrez, a guy who has a propensity to fight fight close from an output standpoint. However, again, if you're looking at what he's doing, he does a lot of counters, leg kicks, kick counters, um, clinch neutralizing, counter rest, uh, counter clinch wrestling, counter wrestling um, in close uh, stuff. You don't really get credit for or scored for or scored highly for, depending on what we're even talking about, right? So from that sense, it is. However, he does beat the shit out of guys' legs where he has the most leg kick TKOs in anybody. More than Edson Barbosa at this point. Not in the UFC, but throughout his career. And he's almost gotten them a bunch of the times, even the fights that went to the decision. Look at the guy's legs in those fights. Uh, I think he's going to get another one here. Um, and, I, and I may even sprinkle a little bit in the third round in case that happens. Just because Kalarish, he looks in better shape and whatnot. And he looks, I remember him being slightly improved, but. Even the air quotes improved version, he is ridiculously poor as defense. Both kicking defense, punching defense, lack of head movement, um, and he just takes a lot of damage, which is why he's pretty much in like 3 or 3.5 of his fights um, have had really rough first rounds, and at least guys can have rough first rounds, can have strong third rounds, and those can, in fact, be my guys. However, if you look at it, the guy tends to fade both fade late and or at the very least by the statistics and watching the fights 3 to 3.5 again on the other side of the fight giving his opponents like their best rounds of the fight in the third round and against a guy like against a guy like Gutierrez who you can get the jump on early as Cody Durden and Hayoni Barcelos two guys who are much better wrestlers and much more physical than um, Kalarish. Not that Kalarish can't get him down. Perhaps he can, but I'm not counting on much happening there. Spoiler alert. Um, as Gutierrez continues to work his wrestling mainly and supposed to be working his jujitsu as well, just earn another stripe in that purple belt as he's on his way to a brown, right? Um, and, and he was getting wild with some stuff, some flying triangles and Im rolling Imanari roll looks. I think he was just being hyped up because he was really selling that he was going to do something and it was a matchup where he uh, perhaps could especially getting away with it like not having to worry in the grappling department right for um, Gutierrez's uh, last fight as I try to remember who it is Andre Uhl right that guy wasn't going to submit him or make him pay for it on the ground right uh, so I don't think he's going to do that here obviously uh, Gutierrez has gotten much better about listening to his corner in general um you know, still would like to see more output. Still like to see him more confidence in his hands because when he does throw coming forward or off the counter, he's pretty accurate and powerful, and his technique isn't like terrible. Um, he just loves to fucking kick. You know, he uses kicks almost as jabs and stuff. Uh, you hear Mark Montoya rear tower. <laughs> I love Mark Montoya. Let him just say that's not what he Rear tower, hand play, meld into that. All right, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, you can tell who, so someone watches too much fight footage. Um, but yeah, uh, so I, I just think he's going to eat up uh, eat up Kolarish uh, for those reasons. Um, you know, altitude, looks like he's really focusing more on strength and conditioning, so I don't think he's going to tire. Um, by the way, I wrote, 
remember watching his, his his last fight with Andre Ole. That was the that was the fight Anik was getting guff for for bringing up the custody battles. He goes pending custody battles for both fighters. Gutierrez hasn't seen his child in thirty months, whereas Ole and he like he did the whole breakdown on that court case. <laughs> I love Anik. I'm sorry, I just had to bring that up. That was funny. I I don't want Anik to do it because he's the man, but. Wouldn't that be funny if, like, the, a commentator that became, like, their shtick was just, like, whatever personal court case and, like, personal dramas going on, he, like, will seamlessly, professionally weave it into the commentary? Because, like, because that's what kind of Anik was doing. Like, he was, it was really, like, he goes, and he hasn't seen his kid in three months. Really nice left hook there. Like, <laughs> could you imagine? It's just, like, uh, Hardy is pending a rape case since sodomy is illegal in South Dakota, but a nice shifting left hand. From the former football pro. It's just like, Jesus Christ. Uh, by the way, shout out to the, that guy, Baines MMA, who I, I followed for that. His line alone when he was doing the Anik impression. He used to do the, do the uh, Chase Hooper eats ass on the first date. Like, that gets a follow right there. <laughs> Anyways, Gutierrez will be the second leg, um, as crazy as I still kind of... I, I, I'm laying out all these reasons, and it, it, and I still feel bad, because, again, it doesn't matter, folks. I, I can lay out all the analysis in the world, and I know things went for me la well last week, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going... I, I did my work hard, because I'm not someone who, who, who rests on their laurels. I didn't victory lap or anything like that. Um, you know me. But, uh, in fact, I, I and I'm not trying to brag, because... I go too hard the other way. I put stupid pressure on myself because I'm like, oh no, everybody's going to be looking my way now. I don't want to fuck up. Oh, everybody's going to be betting my picks more confidently now. I don't want to let them down. So I went extra hard and I went old school this week. And I, I actually did, despite everything going on, I actually did a, a, a real good amount of tape study for you guys. I can honestly say that. And again, doesn't mean, doesn't mean my picks are going to, dude, I could have a knock on what I don't. I could have a complete opposite week this week. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. That's how this game, that's how the bounces in this game can go, right? You know, that, that variance is a real thing, right? So, um, so yeah. Um, but, but, but I did do my best this week. Yeah, I really did. All right, next fight. Um, Alexander Romanov. Romanov. Um, he's a, sorry, my Michael Chavello there. Minus five nine. Did he come down from seven hundred? I'm seeing like it's seven hundred at all the houses. I, I just left him off the par. I left him off the parlay piece because um, uh, I feel like memory is like oh he's he gassed, and that memory is correct. I wasn't sure if he corrected it or not, but no, uh, that was just his last fight. And you know he gassed even though he, there were a lot of breaks in that action of that fight too, which was not a good look. Um, and you know Jared Vandera. You know, going on the uh, Parker Porter turn, you know, you know, be becoming the Max Holloways of the division with their hundred plus significant strike performances um, of late. Uh, I think I think Mandara did that, but either way, it was a high output for him, right? For heavyweight in general, um, it does worry me if he can. If you know, he is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, although Romanov's going to have the better wrestling, and I don't know if he can survive, but if he can. Maybe he can. He's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, right? And then what if he mounts a comeback? Maybe he doesn't even have to win round two. Maybe he can lose both two rounds if, so long as he can survive. And Romanov will be dead gassed by then, and he puts it on him. 
Um, I'm not picking it to happen. I'm picking Romanoff by a second round uh, TKO. Um, but I'm not as confident as the line is on it, you know. I know Romanoff was a guy I put interest in, and I don't know if people are listening to me, like with these Saryukin and other cats, or they're just doing the, you know, OV math and whatnot. They're like, ooh, that sounds Russian. Okay, let's inflate him, even though the man is Moldovan. Folks, he doesn't have any... Um, he's, his grappling accolades, but they're very loosely put. There's no, like, jujitsu ranks. There's no, like, national wrestling team that I see anywhere on his bio for what that's worth. But the pick is Romanoff by second round ground and pound TKO. Just not as confident. So I didn't even touch this fight, to be honest. All right, next fight. I teased it enough. We got uh, Damon Jackson, a.k.a. Walt Goggins. Fucking uh, <laughs> the shield and shit. Minus 196. Uh, Charles, yo, 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 Boston Mass. Uh, Rosa, uh, plus 164. He used to be called the Boston Strangler for Boston Strong Rosa, but he's like... He actually like goes and visits like sick kids in the hospital, and he's like, "I don't want the nurses to be like, hey, the Boston Strangler is coming to visit you, kid." <laughs> Which I can appreciate. Um, but yeah, man. Um, no, man. Damon Jackson, well respected, forty-seven May. You know, I got love for Safe Sayud. Uh, one of the first guys that Safe got into the UFC, I believe, Damon Jackson. So there's got to be a special bond there. And throughout that time, Damon Jackson has improved both strategically, overall as a fighter, and his striking uh, and defense. I, I will say, though, I, I still suspect that he's a do-or-die fighter because his fragility and just overall style, right? It's not a gas tank thing. Um, I, first of all, the line has almost flipped as a dollar. Uh, I shouldn't even have to justify a play, even if I lose. I still shouldn't have to justify the play because the line flipped a dollar. And even though I didn't have Charles Rosa as a minus 180 favorite, I would have still opened at like a minus 140 neighborhood um, if if that high. But I still think he was the favorite, point, case in point. And for the line to flip almost a whole dollar, um, that's value alone. <clears throat> but um, And I think it flipped that way because, you know, you look at, Bryce Mitchell, who I and many uh, underrated, right? And then you look at Derek Minner, kind of followed that blueprint. Um, not as, you know, again, you you rewatch that fight, and, and Derek Minner barely hung on, which is why I played in cash Darren Elkins, right? Um, he, he, hang, he hung on by just the, the, the barely-ness of threads because um, what he didn't have, what uh, Bryce Mitchell has was cardio, right? Um, but what Bryce Mitchell also has that, and, 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 you know, Bryce Mitchell has cardio, and so does Damon Jackson has cardio. But Bryce Mitchell has both of what they don't have, which is one was cardio, and the other, for Damon Jackson's case, is durability. And I think that's the problem with uh, Damon Jackson's uh, style. And you can see it the way he prioritizes his striking. It's very basic boxing one-two, which I know is part and parcel with the Fortis MMA stable. But it's a clear distinction as far as the advancements of the game. Uh, which is kind of which you know it does stand out considering the guy who has had time to advance the game has the most basic rudimentary game and I think it's more basic because he he can't get away too much from his guard and his original intent to clash distance into the clinch or change levels and shoot um, so it's a lot of high guard uh, which is also why his body has always been open um, and if you remember my breakdown in my last fight with Taporia, not just picking the win, which was surprise, surprise, especially for someone like me who's been on the Taporia train since he started in the UFC or before he started the UFC. 
But um, I also said the the body shots specifically. This big body target and um, Walt Goggins. I'm just kidding. David Jackson makes that bigger um, by going high shell. And Charles Rosa, uh, he has always consistently gone to the body, whether it's the southpaw liver kick, which is looking better, and we'll get to why his striking and that strike is looking better. Um, to even his punches and knees and stuff in the, in the clinch. Uh, his body numbers have always consistently been up. I know he's going to have the karate style, so you don't associate power. But if you look, whether it's marking up guys' legs or marking up their faces, he's kind of had a Diaz brother-esque uh, nature about him in that sense. Not as clean boxing, doesn't turn and sit on the hard shots as much as prime Diaz brothers would. So hence, he's not as successful or known for his striking, obviously, not trying to make apples-to-apples apples comparison. But as far as the light volume doing more than you realize, when you look at the numbers and you look at the faces of the opponents in a lot of those fights. Um, <clears throat> however, I was trying to look to see if like he moves any different from the injury. And I think he talks about this, shouts to Fitz and the Fighter of Fitz Nation, that he was injured leading up to the surgery, which was after the Burgos win, but obviously getting TKO'd like that, it was like, all right, time to... Get it taken care of. It's too much. Because uh, he kind of looks stiff that whole time. And he comes back and he kind of has those, you know, both performances where he, he looks unsure of himself, but to not take any credit away f- to his opponents or the detr- or the detractors uh, from Rosa in this spot. That, yes, perhaps those were some stylistic bad matchups for him as well, right? Um, but he looks to be getting better. And then before his last camp against Janes, where obviously I was biased, but also, you know, uh, Janes, even though he lost and made a really bad fight IQ in that third round for going for the takedown, uh, I would argue he proved a lot of the things I was saying right as far as he showed the leg kicks that I was always talking about. Shots to Dennis Davis's corner calling for. Um, and he showed to be to be better than, than, you know, perhaps his record led on, whether it was his debut win on Camacho to, again, you know, just betting on himself like all of these fighters do. We all bet on ourselves every day. You know what I'm saying? You know, make fun of Justin James. Well, get, make fun of me, too, because I'm shittier than him. I'm more, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm more of a loser. Not that Justin James is a loser, but you know what I'm saying? I'm betting on myself just so I could fucking take two weeks off of vacation. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm doing here. That's how, you know, so fucking you make fun of him, make fun of me, too. Um, you know, uh, and not that you can't make fun of it. I'm not fucking saying that. I'm just obviously biased here, folks, okay? And, and I'm speaking some truths here, too, in my defense. Um, but when you go back and look at it, like, it's hard to say, like, was Charles Rosa even rocked before Justin James shot that takedown? Because, again, I don't think it was going good, and he was going to lose the fight to Burgos regardless. So it's not revisionist history, but, and it's not, and nor is it good habit to do this, but... Rosa, because especially when he was doing his karate stance style stuff, uh, and which he, he did show to revert to when he was under fire against Janes, when Janes was hitting him clean, right? He does the kind of leaping back out of space, which can be dangerous when you run into the cage. Um, you know, uh, but he looks always has a tendency to look more hurt than he is because he, he'll, he'll put himself out of position and off balance in the first place, plus getting hit, which looks worse to the judges and to the officials. As a Todd Anderson, who has a history of fucking up fights in New York, um, you know, uh, was real quick on the trigger with that one, uh, which again didn't matter. Like Rosa was going to lose one way or the other by stoppage or by decision. Um, but just saying, you know, 
that's his one, you know, air quote stoppage loss. You know, uh, he's he is he's he's tough and durable. He has that durability that, um, again, you know, the one thing that Damon Jackson doesn't have on paper. And it's not even a gas tank thing with Damon Jackson. They used to call him the Cadillac. Uh, back in, I think, high school because uh, he used to run like track and field, like long-distance marathon. I mean, he looks like a marathon r- runner, right? Um, and he doesn't show cardio issues too much at all. Like, you know, in that Levon Makashvili fight, which I sadly went back to watch. Like, I went back to watch everything I could on both these guys too, by the way, for this play. Um, and, uh, you know, he's like dogging it out. And granted, they get a break toward the end, so it's hard to tell how tired they are. But, um, you know, he didn't look like gassing or anything. Like, it doesn't look to be cardio to be an issue in the few fights that went to decision or third round. But it's just his style. And we've seen Charles Rosa, whether opportunistic submissions over the submission guy who's not ranked, but he's a good MMA submission guy, Manny Bermudez, tall and long. And another guy who kind of fits that bill, right? Uh, we saw him. He'll, he'll, he'll snatch up submissions on them. Or he can get it doggedly in a war, like a Sean Soriano, uh, round three. Um, but I actually think, you know, even though he might get the submission, I think he, he could either get a TKO or, or, uh, spark off the submission from strikes because like I said, with the camp change with the Charles McCarthy and the ATT satellite and ATT main gym move off, um, he's been more at Sanford MMA, uh, which is great because for a guy who, again, Sanford is great at training Southpaws and training people against Southpaws now, excuse me. Damon Jackson and James were orthodox fighters, but Rosa uh, can and does choose to fight from Southpaw. Not just that left kick that him and everyone and their mother throws to the body from Southpaw, but he he actually, one of his best punches um, that marks people up the most and has the most power is his left cross, his left straight from Southpaw. Um, His left hand in general, which is good, by the way, because um, left hands seem to disproportionately hit. uh, I know there's a lot of big right hands on most people's radar, when you, when you look back, but there, there's a lot of left hooks and left hands that hit um, Damon Jackson more than rights, in my opinion. So another reason why I like Rosa here. Um, but yeah, Sanford MMA is making those better, which is why his striking process actually looked a bit cleaned up. Now, it'll take a couple camps or at least a year, uh, any good coach will tell you. Uh, shouts to Ray Longo. He just even cited this thing that I always dress myself on that Anik and Florian podcast that I referenced earlier in the episode. But... um. Even though it's only been one camp, if you look, it's been over a year since he's actually been working. I didn't realize that he's actually been working over it. You'll see the blue mats in the background, those blue Sanford mats. You can't mistake them. So he's been working with Henry and the gang for a year, having plenty of wrestlers. Um, and one thing he did show, and something I, I, I want to see, you know, my, my canary, the coal mine, wrestlers are people who grapple, get away from it because their backs, their necks. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, how good is Rosa? Again, he kind of looked like he always had a stiff neck, right? He arguably looks like he's moving better, um, even at 34 years of age, or uh, you know, uh, or whatever it is, um, and 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 past the sur- as he's more past the surgery now. And I know he gets taken down twice, but one of them, like it's, I think they're both like just kind of perfect takedowns. And Jane's again, the guy was a collegiate wrestler. You know what I'm saying? He's a better wrestler on paper, so it shouldn't be a surprise. But they were like perfectly timed takedowns, and I know one of them for sure was when Rosa was like actually hurting Jane's with a kick. Uh, and then Rosa, like, I think got back up. So, I mean, you know, it really wasn't much of a takedown if you really want to count it. But if you look at the takedowns that Rosa got, um, 
they are some of the better looking takedowns probably that I've seen him work for in, in, in his UFC sample, um, which is crazy for anybody to do, you know, toward their mid thirties, um, toward later on in their career or after injury. But you look at the time off from the injury and whatnot and, you know, tough kid, he eats well, uh, you know, works hard, t- takes care of himself. Um, and yeah, it looks like the wrestling's still intact and that's a big, that's a big thing for me. Uh, does that mean he's not going to get taken down by Jackson? I'm sure he is. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'll, you know, he'll either lose the first round or finish, um, Damon Jackson in route to losing the first round, right? Before, before he can officially lose it, right? On his way to losing it and then pull out the victory. Um, but if not, although Damon Jackson is the cardio and can still put him into trouble, maybe he is doing the Bryce Mitchell and, and Derek Minor. uh, wash, rinse, and repeat, but we saw Rosa have a better urgency to get back up and not play um, back to his guard and, you know, uh, and get back up to his feet um, as well. So, again, I like all those trends right there. Um, and, you know, I could already justify it. I didn't have to do this long breakdown. And, you know, Rosa still might not win. and It might be frustrating as all hell, and it might have to be sweaty and lose and sweaty and win and, 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 and stressful. But I can't help it here, you know. There's, um, you know, he was a dog that stood out to me early, and uh, my gut's been right, and I was able to do my homework, and and it matched. So that plus value equals play one unit at plus. I got it at plus one seventy five, um, which was nice. So I, I literally, I was, I was literally a nickel short of a whole dollar line flip on the right side of value. We'll see if that means anything. All right, uh, next fight, Lupita Godinez, Sylvia Gomez, Juarez, uh, uh, Godinez, minus 310, Juarez, uh, plus 250, Juarez was supposed to be fighting Dana White Contender Series. So this is another deceptive short notice, kind of like Jared Gooden. Jared Gooden has shown he can step in a short notice win, um, you know, fight hard for three rounds. Uh, I didn't do the homework on Sylvia or this fight, admittedly, with the switch-ups, and I wasn't interested in targeting it. Especially seeing that even though she is older, at 36, she also is experienced um, as far as UFC-level competition and, again, was ready to compete on a UFC stage So uh, next week, so she ain't coming off her couch. So the pick is Godinez, but Lupi's her name. She fights by decision. You know, uh, female fights can have swings to them like heavyweight fights in a different but just as volatile way on the betting lines. So the pick is Godinez, but no play for me. Lastly, but not leastly, uh, Steve Garcia, minus 320. Charlie Ontiveros, uh, plus 260. Um, <laughs> Garcia is my second leg here. And basically, Charlie Oliver, uh, Ontiveros, a.k.a. Mr. Glass. Um, the dude's resume tells a story. I mean, it's like illegal stomp, stance, uh, KO by slam, rib injury, um, neck injury. There's one dude he, he beat because his heart stopped. Like... If you sign up to fight Charlie and Deveros, you're pretty much like guaranteeing you're going to take part in some crazy shit. You might not be on the receiving end, but some crazy shit is going to happen. And for that reason, I grab the under. If you can still grab it at plus 105, one house, it's at 110. I can't play it. I'm going to wait till it's get minus 105, and I'll play it on the opposite end. That's close enough for me. Uh, but I did grab it at plus 105 where it's listing at most houses, so hopefully you're able to grab it at at, at least one of your houses there. Um, I put half a unit on that. Um that was it. Um, and that's just to kind of uh, help cover some of the blow in case uh, this lower level stuff 
you know, uh, shits my legs out as far as the parlay goes because I, you could add, just do Mateus and um, Gutierrez for like plus one hundred nine as a two as a two pair, which is my usual style. But I wanted to get a little bit sexy, and I just, uh, you know, even though I didn't like what I saw on Steve Garcia's Instagram and the, the anti-vax stuff he's sharing, and real interesting comments there by uh, Coach Wink there. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> I think Coach Wink says, uh, like, careful what, I think he was, because I think Chris, he was sharing some, like, BJ Penn stuff. <laughs> Wink was like, you know what they say about jabs? They tend to set bigger things up. And I was like, the irony there, coming from a camp, lacking jabs and meaningful setups from the jabs, like, you know, hooks and cross. Anyways, all right, uh, no, enough shit talking. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually picking Garcia here. I like his I like his striking. He actually, has, he actually has good jabs, hooks, and crosses, by the way. And, and Coach Wink can obviously teach those, by the way. And, you know, um, he, Coach Wink does a lot of good things and charity things as well. Uh, so I, I want to make sure I state that. I'm not trying to trash people here, but <laughs> I just couldn't help. Oh, boy. Anyways. Um, problematic. Shh, 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 shh. Uh, but uh, Garcia's a tough kid, man. I really like what I see from him. Oh, I know. I joke, and I'm sorry. It's late, folks. Apologies. I'm not trying to. It's not political, by the way. Uh, I'm not trying to get fucking shitty or anything like that. Just having some fun, and you know, you know me for for, for better or worse. <laughs> I call things as I see them. It's all good. Um, and uh, yeah, I I try to judge things with an unbiased eye and talk about things technically, which I'll get back to here. As the pick actually is Garcia. I like what I see from him. He's actually a really talented kid. I like that he's up at his natural division at lightweight. I don't know how he ever made bantamweight, um, even featherweight. He's so big. Uh, whereas Charlie Andaveros. I was going to say he hasn't been at lightweight in forever. Well, he's never been at lightweight, and he's 6'2", and he's cutting there for the first time being past 30. You know, and once you hit 30, folks, that's not the old man age or whatever, but that's the age where, like, if you're cutting weight, you're going to start getting taxed. You should have already moved into your higher weight class. Um, and he's doing the opposite. Instead of doing 185 or 170, he's going all the way down to 155. Well, you know, a 15-pound weight drop, and he was already skinny like a twig and already was vulnerable to snap like said twig or be knocked out. Um, and against a guy who can actually strike as much shit as I give, you know, he's, he's you know, uh, from what I've seen of Garcia, really representing Jackson Wink well. Um, obviously, there's a lot of talented coaches and fighters from there. I'm not trying to... Not trying to shit, you know. Uh, not, not trying to shit. Not trying. Not, try, not trying to shit or anything. I'm, I'm, I'm giving genuine compliments here. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's gonna go well against Antaveros. Um And yeah, I'm not. I'm not too worried about him getting uh, ground gamed or the height difference or parity or whatever. Uh, I think Garcia will roll, and I play the under. Okay. Um, recap. Recapping from top to bottom. Let's see how we did on time here. All right, one, three, four. Yeah, I figured it was gonna go long because I, uh, you know, I had some opinions, right? Uh, all right, uh, taking Rodriguez over Dern, taking Brown over Gooden, taking Nikolau over Elliot, taking Mazo stay on target over Agapova, taking Hogs over Team Teddy Bear, Darren Wynn, taking Gutierrez over Kolarish, taking Romanoff over Vandera. Give me sight beyond sight. Uh, taking 
Austin Strong. Rosa. Uh, Rosa over uh, Walt Goggins and shit. Damon Jackson taking uh, Godinez uh, over Juarez. Uh, <laughs> taking uh, Garcia over um, Antiveros. Uh, parlayed. Uh, if you want to just parlay Garcia and Gutierrez for plus 109, you can. Uh, if you want to add... Uh, Garcia to the three leg. That's going to be in my odds checker article. That's plus 176. I played that as a unit. Uh, played Rosa straight plus 175 for a unit. Played Rodriguez money line straight. No matter how she wins for a unit. But I also sprinkled 0. 0.7, 0. 0.17 units on round three of plus 2,000 Rodriguez and round four plus 2,900 uh, Rodriguez. Uh, also played one unit plus 105. Uh, Garcia on Taveros under. Uh, I'm going to look at Gutierrez round three when that comes out and sprinkle uh, 0.17 on that. Uh, played Hawes one unit inside the distance at plus 105. Uh, avoided Ma Amazo and Agapova. So, yeah, man, hopefully, uh, you know, we could end on a good note or end on a bad note, regardless if we win or lose. But hopefully um, the dogs and some of those round flyers come in and, and we'll be all gravy. Uh, we'll see. Wishing, hoping the best, but also genuinely, as usual, as always, wishing you the best. There's a lot to fight about that's really stupid and whatnot. Let's just all just try to care care about each other as, as human beings, um, you know. And uh, thank you guys for fighting the good fight, um, for parsing out the bad media, absorbing the good. Um, and yeah, I, I appreciate you guys. Uh, much love, and always, protect... Yeah, next.